Frank. It is that time, episode 120, which means it's time for lightning round talk thingy topics. Good, good, because we were out of topics, so coming up with 10 was just going to be super easy, too. Are we out of topics? No, because we just found like a million topics to do today. Yeah, the the fun part about lightning rounds, the lightning topics, is that as we were picking out lightning topics, we literally have now planned out the next five episodes of Merge Conflicts, because (laughs) that can't be five minutes. That needs to be a whole episode. Mm-hmm. And th- those are always the ones like I, I-, I wish we would- could go through them quickly, but then you're just like, nope, nope. I want to bore people to death for 40 minutes. Five minutes is not nearly enough. So we have what? At least two or three to look forward to, but we shouldn't promote that far ahead. What if no. what if we don't do them? That'd be bad. Yeah, no, we're <laughs> not going to talk about those topics. Those are topics. Okay. We're not going to Tarantino it, you know, where we talk about the entire topic and then start back at the beginning later on. But uh mm. We're only going to do a thousand episodes. We're going to stop at a thousand. That would be Tarantinoing it. <laughs> that's where it ends. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyone that's new, Frank, maybe there's people that have just tuned in for the first time. And they're like, whoa, what a great podcast. These two, these two cats are pretty adorable. Um, they're like, what is this lightning talk shenanigans? I came for just one really deep topic in code. Well, Frank... We don't do that every 10 episodes. We like to mix it up and listen to our listeners. They give us, you, you are listening. You give us the topics. You let us know what you want. And what we do is cover six different topics, five minutes each. So about 30 minutes. That is our thing. And we do pretty good, don't we, Frank? Yeah, I think we're a little crazy for doing this, but I'm sure it's going to turn out just great. <laughs> yeah, it always does. I think it's it's one of my favorite because we just sit down and we just jam on it and, and crush it. It's fun to do a deep dive, but it's a little more fun to just kind of shoot from the hip. So you're definitely going to get our opinions off the top of our heads here. We haven't really thought these ones out too far ahead. So it should be fun. Should be fun. I think so. Yeah. Well, the first things first, uh, today we're recording on October 15th, uh, and this afternoon we got some really sad news uh, that Paul Allen had passed, um, and uh, not everyone may have known who Paul Allen was as uh, one of the co-founders of Microsoft, but also has done some amazing things for the city of Seattle, where both Frank and I live. We want to put our heart and prayers out there for the family, for anyone that knows um, Paul um, and our condolences uh, to everyone. And, uh, you know, what we figure we would do is spend the first five minutes or so talking about some of our favorite things that Paul Allen has done for the city of Seattle. So uh, for me, what's great is that when I think of Seattle, Paul Allen's really synonymous with all of the awesome activities that you get to do and the things that have built up around Seattle. So I have some of my favorites. Frank, I know you have some of your favorites. So why don't you kick us mm-hmm. off? Yeah, actually, one of my favorites is more just a quirky story. It's not actually my favorite, but I do love um, the Paul Allen yacht and all these stories around town. It always inspired um, from funny helicopter landings to weird (laughs) bridges having to be put up and down and all sorts of craziness. So just as a fun figure around town, I'm going to miss him for that because just always had good stories involving Paul Allen. But I am going to pick my absolute favorite thing uh, contributed to the city, and that's the Living Computer Museum. 
that is a super cool place. If you're ever visiting town, it's a computer museum. So it has everything from the past. But the cool thing is that they're actually powered up and running and you're actually allowed to go play on them. So I've read about PDP 11s and 10s all the time when I was a kid. And now I can finally go and actually play on one. I think the museum is just stunning. It's my favorite place in town, basically. Um, and just can't thank them enough for that. So thanks, Paul Allen. Yeah, that was uh, one early date that I took uh, Heather on, actually. Is that I right? took her to, Yeah. And I was like, oh, is that this... a date place? <laughs> oh, uh, it depends who you're bringing uh, on, uh, yeah. on that date. But for us, it totally was. It, it's really good memories because um, you can interact and play with all of the old, old machines and you get the history of them. So it's not just like a look, but it was Paul's vision to um, keep all of this history of computers alive and running. Um, so you can go to the old apples, the PDP machines, and there's great interactive videos of all the uh, history of where this thing came from. There's, you know, all these cool um, charts and graphs of all the cool like uh, frameworks and libraries and operating systems. So it was really, really neat. And recently they redid the entire bottom floor to be a learning center for AI and machine learning and VR and a bunch of stuff. Have you gone to the new re redone part? I have. Um, I, I actually didn't spend too much time in the robots and VR part because I was just so excited to go play on all the computers and play with the punch cards and that kind of stuff. But they do have a fun robotic section that I mean to go back to. And, you know, I go on a Wednesday morning so no one else is there and I can just spend tons of time playing with the robots. The other cool thing um, is that to keep a lot of these machines running, a lot of uh, retired engineers are actually employed. So you can go there and talk to a bunch of like old Xerox people and old, you know, <laughs> just eclectic histories of people, just very knowledgeable staff to just go chit chat with and nerd out with. Yeah, a lot of passion um, there mm -hmm. and a lot of people that really care about the technology. And I think for, for tech nerds like us, it's a, it's a place that I can, can feel at home, uh, which is great. Um, on, on my side of things, you know, there's a lot of, um, things, you know, that, that Paul Allen has either invested in to create or save, um, in the city. And, you know, there's a lot of sports ball that he, he does with the Sounders and the Seahawks. Um, but for the things that he saved, um, near and dear to my heart, and Paul was a really big film and television buff, uh, is the Seattle Cinerama. And oh, yeah, good Frank choice. And I, yeah. <laughs> so Frank and I, we've gone to see movies uh, often. And the Cinerama is the only super Cinerama in the entire world. And um, they were going to tear it down. And Paul said no. <laughs> um, so he <laughs> bought it and restored it. And he's restored it uh, many times and Cineramas were multiple projectors creating these three strip Cinerama films. And there's not very many of them left in the world, but the sheer size of this um, is a super Cinerama. So it's one movie at a given time. And that's all the movie theater has. They're really modern up to date, have great chocolate popcorn, which I love. And to me, I nerd out on this because they play all sorts of things from 2d and 3d movies, 35 millimeter, 70 millimeter, um, film. And what's cool is that in 2014, 
they installed a Christie 6P laser projection system and Adobe Whoa. app. Yeah, and Adobe app. I don't know app. what that means. <laughs> yeah, me either, but all I know is it's awesome. Um, okay. And Adobe Atmos um, audio system. So it is kind of the ultimate movie theater going experience uh, for me in the entire world. It's absolutely amazing. I, I love it, the technology behind it. And the the sheer thing that he does too is that Paul has this um, this amazing collection of movies and and memorabilia, and um, you could just go in and there you would see, um, you know, basically clothing and outfits from the movies that would always be changing. And he would do these film festivals, like horror film festivals or sci-fi film festivals. So uh, it was really something special and near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the theater is absolutely gorgeous. You're right. But I think you went over, I don't think you talked up the popcorn enough. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> you got to make this clear to everyone. When you're in town, you have to go to this theater just for the popcorn and you should get the mixed bag part, part chocolate covered and part not chocolate covered. And this is a pro tip from James. It took me a while to learn this lesson, but get the small bag, the medium bag. You're going to be dying in the middle of the movie of dehydration. <laughs> so get the small bag so thanks paul out for <laughs> the awesome popcorn place <laughs> yeah the you know what's great too is that even on the outside sign it says like you know serving chocolate popcorn from whenever it's like no ticket no ticket required like you can just go in and not even see a movie and just ask to go buy popcorn and they'll let you buy popcorn and you anything like that you should not have told me that that's terrible thank you it's a good life lesson <laughs> i used to legitimately like walk down fourth and just stop in and I'd grab a coffee and some chocolate popcorn mix and um, and just go home <laughs> like, and I got living the big life. Look yeah. at that glamorous life. <laughs> um, so I will also put a, a link to Vulcan and you can look at all of the different investments that Paul had done over the, the years. So, again, um, our hearts and prayers got to the family and the states and everybody. Um, um, and thank you, Paul, for for all the things that you did. Yeah. Going to miss all the good stories. We'll just have to keep retelling them for a while. Yeah. It'll be good. I'm sure everyone's going to have great stories for yeah. a while. And now we'll uh, get onto some more topics. So the next one up is a question from our listener, David Sharp, who's actually in our Discord. He asked, he, I think he just put it on Twitter, I believe this is from, maybe it was in our Discord, our Patreon chat. He said, if for some reason you could no longer use .NET, what would you use and why? You know, I had the most terrible gut reaction to this, and I said C++. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I still love being cross-platform. I still love being able to run everywhere. And C++ is so old, and it's so terrible in so many ways. But it's one of those things where I know it kind of inside and out. And so I know the devil that I'm playing with and all that stuff. I think part of me wishes that I would answer and say something more modern like Go or Rust or Swift, like all those are good. But truth is, I'd probably just use C++ if someone said you can no longer use .NET. <laughs> but why would they ever say that? What about hmm. you? What would you do? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, if for some reason I couldn't use it, I, I guess there would be like if Microsoft stopped creating it for some reason, or I joined a company where I was forced to not use it. I guess I could then pick my technology. It would be hard for me to envision a world where I'm not using .NET, but <laughs> I guess if I couldn't, it would depend on what I'm building. And, and most likely I would go down and avoid anything JavaScript. That would be my 
Ah, that's sad. <laughs> See, uh, I, I I don't mind the job. I I could do that. My gut reaction was C plus plus, but what what's wrong with JavaScript? It's you know, fine. I'm uh I'm an object oriented type of uh dev. I guess I I just it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. I when I was doing the website um com, I did have some fun with the gulps and the grunts and the packages and the <laughs> npms and the things. Yeah. But uh, it didn't feel great to me. So I guess it would be really fun to learn a new different language. So where you said that you would like to envision a world that you would go with the Go and the Rust and the Swifts, mm -hmm. uh, I may, I, I would probably take a look at Swift um, yeah. more. Does because that run on Android yet? <laughs> I mean, there's some server stuff. It seems like it's got a long way off. So, I mean, that's the problem, yeah. right? Is that with JavaScript or C++, you kind of can run it anywhere, basically. Yeah. Uh, but you're, you're not efficient with the JavaScript. So you, yeah. you lose out on the native APIs, whereas C++, at least you wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't want to yeah. go with Java just because I don't really like Java all that much. I mean, Kotlin would Burn. be a little bit fun. <laughs> but I do think that the the goes and the rust and the and the whiz bang doodads of the world would be kind of interesting to learn. But yeah. I think well, maybe Swift would be interesting to me because it's like this mm -hmm. hybrid of C sharp and F sharp, and I bet I would feel relatively comfortable. But then, like, I can't use Visual Studio, so I'm just like, oh, you know, that'd be the down point. Yeah, I guess that's the real question. What if you couldn't use Visual Studio? <laughs> we'll do that on our next lightning. Um, but I, I think I'm going to throw one in for Python also. That's mm. kind of my favorite. Um, it's a lot like C Sharp. You just remove all the semicolons, remove all the types, and you have Python code. So it's <laughs> kind of fun to write and all that stuff. So I'd, I'd go with that one too. Mm. The problem is, for some reason, the Python community is a little smaller. It's getting bigger now that all the ML libraries use it. It's popular again. I think um, JavaScript was more popular for quite a while. That makes sense. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. I'd want to go with someone big, in other words. you know, I don't, I don't want to choose any small languages because oh, how much time and mental energy have I invested in .NET? He'd have to reinvest all that in something else. Yeah. Yeah, and... I mean, at least Python has a pretty good trajectory, like you're saying. C++ is still, if you look at the popular programming languages, I mean, it's up there. So, you know, it's up there. TypeScript's even up there. Can't get rid of it. <laughs> Can't get rid of it. Uh, what about um, uh, COBOL? We could just learn some COBOL. <laughs> Runs the yeah. world. No, I would do Fortran long before COBOL. I was actually pretty good at Fortran for a while, so that'd be fine by me. No Perl? You don't want to learn the Perl? <laughs> you know, I used to maintain some pretty big Perl code bases, so I could technically do it, but that one goes up there with PHP where I can do it, but I don't want to. <laughs> it's legitimately on the Stack Overflow respondents. Perl's on the very bottom. So. Is it? Oh, that's sad. I mean, it's an okay language, and people have written some crazy stuff with it, but yeah, use Python. Use Python. <laughs> I was talking to H Town, and uh, she was just telling me about she wanted to do some Pythony stuff just to get to get into the machine learning area. And I was like, mm -hmm. "We got ML.net. Yeah. and she's like, "Yeah, but everyone's using the Python." I was like, "I bet you could easily." I was thinking of what are the natural transitions as a C sharp developer, and I think Swift would probably be pretty easy, but also Python would be pretty easy because it's like a really yeah. readable language. But I could be wrong because I've never done it. 
No, it's very object-oriented and it works very similar to, to .NET. So everything that you've learned basically works over there. So you'd be fine. Got it. I, yeah, good alternative. But that is a terrible hypothetical because the Mono project exists. So .NET's not going anywhere pretty much ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, next topic we have, this one came in from our Twitter right before we started recording. Um, from some of our friends up in Canada, they wanted to just talk about user groups. I don't know what about user groups. Frank, what do you want to talk about user groups about? Well, hmm, maybe we could start with why are they difficult? But let, let, no, let's not start there. We'll end there. Let's start with why are they fun? Why did we even start one, James? We started one a while ago. We did it here in Seattle. We ran it for what, two or three years. Mm-hmm. And me personally, I had a great time because I had a place to show up once a month. I had fun people to talk to, something interesting to learn, all all that good stuff. Uh, I met a lot of people there that I still like to chit chat with, and uh, all positives, all positives. What about you? Yeah, well, you know, I wanted to create the user group because I wanted to get people together. Oh, so I had gone to other user groups. This is, you know. This is, I had gone to other user groups and I never felt as if the people that were putting it on actually cared about the people that were attending. Um, Really? What do you mean? Uh, So I would go into a user group. Um, I've gone to iOS ones. I've gone to Android ones. I've gone to just other ones, you know, around the city, not too many, but a few. And I would walk in. And like, no one would greet me. No one would say anything. I didn't really talk to anyone. I felt very uncomfortable. I I don't usually attend user groups because I feel very uncomfortable going to them. Um, And it wasn't a space that I felt comfortable in just in Mm. general. Um, In fact, since I wasn't a, um, you know, I was a new, and this was probably the worst part is I was a new member often to those user groups. Sure. And when people asked me what I did, uh, since it wasn't their technology, they really uh, made me feel not welcome. So, wow. um, yeah, <laughs> so this turned this turned dark. Yeah. So but I would say I've had that same experience now that you mentioned that. Yeah, this can happen. And I guess I just chalk it up to some people don't know how to be friendly because I think at least we made it a point when we were running ours of trying to greet everyone. And now I see that was, that must've been a uh, result of your experience. But for me, that's just politeness. So yeah. that's, that's kind of sad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pro tip. If you're running a group, be nice to pe- <laughs> be, nice. be polite to people. Courteous. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we did run this group for over almost four years. Wow. Four years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. The last year we didn't do quite as much, but we put on a lot of groups and I would say that was the main reason I wanted to start. I wanted to get people that were doing mobile.net development, you know, together. I knew you, I knew a few other people, but I knew that this was a topic people wanted to talk about and also have just fun, different speakers coming in and and chatting. And and it was also a good reason before the podcast that you and I could get together every month and hang out. So that was the other (laughs) hidden agenda there is I wanted (laughs) to hang out with Frank. So, yeah, uh, uh, that was my agenda, too, but not exactly just you, though. But I basically work alone. I don't have any coworkers or anything. So I really did want um, not just a social group, but actually just a technical group. People I can just, you know, complain to about things and ask mm-hmm. them questions about things. So just working by myself, you just kind of look for those opportunities. That's what's so nice about user groups. Yeah, especially. 
for those work at home types. So we have two minutes left on this topic. So I guess what went what went wrong or what what uh, tips could we give for people to start or to go on a user group? Let me guess at what went wrong. So I think our the hardest part that we had was finding a speaker every month. And you would think, oh, once a month, that's that's pretty easy. But the truth is, I never helped James. So he was always on his own trying to find a speaker. And he did a great job. But every so often, we would have to fill in. And toward the end there, we were filling in a lot because we just couldn't find speakers. Would you say that that was the biggest problem we had? Yeah, that was primarily it. I think getting the space once we had it, we were okay. We used a local university, which was really fantastic. And they hosted us for years. Food wasn't too big of an issue for us after we got Microsoft to get involved. And now the .NET Foundation even pays for our meetup.com. They have a .NET kind of, they'll pay for any of the .NET user groups, which is cool. Um, Yeah, that was the hardest thing. I, I think that it was a factor of finding speakers, but then also my day-to-day job got a lot more involved and I had a lot less mm-hmm. time to put into it. And, and you have to be really dedicated to it. And I was proud. I was really proud of what we did, Frank. So, yeah. Yeah. And I know um, people miss it. <laughs> and so I think user groups do. You never know if people are going to show up and if they're going to enjoy it, but people miss it. So that means they enjoyed it. So not counting it out. We might do it again if I ever get my act together and could actually help out a little bit. Yeah. So not yet, but someday. Yeah. So that's a, you got to be committed. You got to go for it. And uh, definitely always feel free to reach out if you need some tips and tricks of how we got started and, and how we organize. But meetup.com is like the go-to. Like, don't try to reinvent the wheel. That's my thing is like, just use that website because it's great. Sure. And that's what everyone, like whenever I travel and I'm bored, I just go to meetup.com. I think that's what everyone does. Yeah. It's always surprising how many out-of-towners you get at user groups. Oh, yeah. Which is the best part. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's great. Um, all right. Next one coming up also from our uh, Discord chat. They wanted to know about, basically, we have a lot of open source projects. And there's time commitments, but how do we actually support these open source projects? Like what you know, tooling or ways of making money or just different ways of supporting these open source projects are out there or things that we've tried or used. Yeah, this is a good topic. Um, I think it's coming more and more, uh, I was going to say prevalent, but that's the wrong word. Like It's just coming up into everyone's consciousness more that all this open source software is wonderful, but maybe the maintainers need a little bit of help and a little bit of kickback call it <laughs> to be blunt um it, it is tough because to actually keep up with an open source project we talk about it all the time it's a lot of work it's a lot of prs it's a lot of uh managing build servers making sure everything's happy and um me personally i've never uh looked for support for my projects i think i'm just kind of foolish (laughs) (laughs) um i do worry about like the overhead like oh how would i run a patron for every single library how would that work all that kind of stuff but at the same time um there are people who do put a lot of effort into their projects and it's great uh, to find ways to support them. And then I guess we should mention all those ways. Yeah. I, you know, it's a little bit tricky of, do you want something for each individual project or is it something for yourself? Yeah. So I also never did much. I mean, we have a at, a, at a very simple level, if you want people to support you and your open source projects, I 
I believe that Patreon is a pretty great option. We use Patreon for this podcast, uh, and we have many people that, um, you know, contribute and chat with us in the Discord and get cool rewards. And you don't even have to give rewards, and people get that recurring revenue. I think the recurring part is the important part because one off is a little bit not as yeah. great. Um, people have asked me, hey, I want to give you money. People have asked me before, I want to give you money for support. And I go, I don't do that, right? I don't do that at all. But have you done that at all? It's the obligation, right? Mm. No, I, I haven't done it because I'm worried about the obligation. Yeah. I, um, the reason I don't ask for Patreon right now is I kind of look at I'm self-funding all these libraries. Mm. They're usually little bits of my own apps. And so I'm really just breaking out parts of one of my apps or something like that. Mm, but that's... <laughs> that's not to say that's the best way to go it's not exactly sustainable yeah it's it's tricky i think depending on how big your projects are what you're doing is there i mean to get something a lot of people have like buy me a pizza or buy me a beer i use buymeacoffee.com you know buy me i like that name (laughs) that's a great one yeah is that recurring do you get a coffee a month how's that work no so this is like one-offs so oh. <laughs> uh, what i did was was this so i said hey you know if you just want some people have then come and said hey i just want to give you some money you know and i was like i don't want any money but you can buy me a coffee so buy me a coffee.com like slash my name i'll put a link in there or whatever <laughs> what you can do is you can say, I would like to buy you one, two or four coffees or whatever. So what I do is I say, if you buy me a coffee, I will legitimately only use that money to buy coffee. I'll take a photo of me drinking the coffee that you bought me and then tweet out a photo to you. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that that's a pretty high price. I could never pull <laughs> off any of that. I am not nearly extroverted enough for any of that. <laughs> yeah. What I will say is something like, I guarantee a response to the next issue you post. There you go. <laughs> that would be my kind of reward. Yeah. And that would be traumatic enough for me. Yeah. But um, the, the recurring thing I, I like a lot, I think if you're serious about supporting someone, you kind of should do the recurring one. Obviously, it's a lot worse than just one time, but that's that's the hard part of open source is the maintenance getting a library out there and just dumping the code on github that's easy but keeping it up to date over the years that's the trick and so i think that's why the recurring ones are so helpful to people yeah i think the other one is if you have a really large project i know mvvm cross uses something called open collective have you ever used that no the name is semi-familiar now i understand this is a big problem, open source getting money. So there are a lot of services that try to help out. What is Open Collective exactly? It is Patreon specifically for open source projects. So it's all about okay. creating get <laughs> elevator it. pitch. You can become a sponsor. So you can like, like companies can sponsor the project or you become a backer. And the idea is that you're getting a little bit more. Um, so the, the project is more like, hey, I need X amount of money every year to keep this going and the idea is that people put this in there but um yeah you know i think that's also kind of what they're saying is like hey every month i spend two hundred dollars that's there but raising money is one problem but i think also the the question becomes like why do we need to put in so much money as is it ci tools other things and you know you had mentioned like the dotnet foundation of being a way of getting big projects in open source to get rid of some of those costs of DevOps and certs and all that stuff. And they take care of all that for you. 
Yeah, um, I've I've always wondered if any of my projects would ever get big enough to be warranted with the .NET Foundation. Like, knock, knock, <laughs> could you guys help me with this project? Something like that. Because I see that they do help out with a lot of the larger open source .NET projects. I also want to mention, um, I know we're a little bit over on this one, so I'll be quick. Um, the Node community has a really nice tool called um, Thanks, NPM Thanks. Mm. And it will actually look at all the packages that you're using in an app, figure out who wrote them, and go figure out if they have a Patreon or a Buy Me a Coffee or whatever service they use. And then just give you a quick little list right at the CLI and say, ah, James, you're using two packages from James. You, here, here's how you can buy him a coffee. And I think we need a tool like that in mm. .NET. Let's build it. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that'd be fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how big a project needs to be. We're going to have to have Mr. John Galloway come on and talk to us about the foundation and say, hey, I have a smaller project because it has 556 projects. So I would be curious to know. Okay. Yeah. See, I guess I'm a little ignorant about some of this stuff. So yeah, we should talk to someone who does does know. Bring on the experts, I say. Uh, all right. Last, not last one, actually. Second no, to last no. one um, was more again, from one of our Twitter followers that said, um, I'm really interested in how you today, or if you could talk to past Frank or past James <laughs> would look into self-promotion. So you're a new developer getting started. Maybe you're looking to get your brand and your identity out there or your application out there. And you know, that you're a developer, that you're building this stuff or libraries. How do you self-promote? Yeah. Wow. Um, this question actually makes me a little uncomfortable because <laughs> I don't like the concept of self-promotion, I guess, in general. But at the same time, anyone who <laughs> follows me on social media knows that I self-promote constantly. It's like a hobby of mine, I guess. <laughs> and so I don't know what psychosis that is uh, involved in all that. But I guess um, it, it all just comes down to what do you want to get out of it? I remember in the early days, um, I didn't know any of the mono people and I didn't want to promote myself to them. I legitimately just wanted to get to know them and talk to them and have interesting conversations with all those people. So at the time, I didn't ever think of it as self-promotion or anything. It was more just like screaming in the air. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hi, I want to talk to someone. <laughs> And I guess that's like what all those chat rooms are for. And then uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you chime in there and then I can get into actual more promotion stuff that I got into later. What would you say to young James? Yeah, well, one thing that I did early on when I got involved with this could be any community, but it did happen to be the uh, the Xamarin community is I did leverage the chat rooms and the forums really heavily. So uh, if you wanted to self-promote, the important part here is you're a name, not a handle. Um, and what I mean by that is, yes, you could be Proclarum everywhere, but then people need to know who Proclarum is. So I took a very firm stance that, yes, my nickname is Mots, but I will be James mm -hmm. Montemagno everywhere. I'm James Montemagno on absolutely every single medium, including on the Xamarin forums and in chat rooms. So, you know, if there's a James Montemagno, it's me. Uh, and what's intriguing there is as I got active in the community by blogging, by going to chat rooms and going to forums, I started to build at least some reputation of who I was. It starts with like building trust, right? So I 
built a blog. I wrote premium content. I had a passion for what I I wanted. I answered questions. Um, You know, I didn't like do it um, to get there. I did it because I was genuinely interested in it. So when I would go onto the forums, answer questions, I was interested in it. So that was my first kind of jumping point is like, make sure that you have your own brand and identity uh, for who you are. You don't need to spend money on it. Like I have a whole branding around montamagno.com and who I am and colors and all that stuff. But at a at a minimum, buy your own name, like on a domain name, like <laughs> you should own your own name. Just that's yeah. a, you should um, in general. Now you're making me feel bad because everyone who's listening is going to go get frankkruger.com, which I don't have. <laughs> there goes that. Thanks, everyone. I'm looking right now. Um, frankkruger.com. Uh, that's smart of you. I guess I should have mentioned that. Yeah, use your name. I had an old friend who was early on into the social networks, and he's gave me an argument like in the early 2000s that everyone should be using their name. <laughs> I don't know. It's whatever. <laughs> if you can use your name, use your name. Handles aren't so bad. I don't mind using a handle here and there. No, as, as long as but your handle it's like at some point, like when I go to proclarum.org, there is hi, I'm Frank, like I can learn about yeah. you, who you are, but yeah, for sure, you know, you're not completely hidden from the internet and I can see your projects, the things that you're doing, um, in general. So I think that that's really good. I mean, and, and you should pick one, like you went proclarum everywhere. And I think that's good. Having a mismatch, Mitch match is, is not as good. Right. But, um, yeah. yeah. And that's why I picked a weird one. So I, I was pretty sure I could get it everywhere that I tried to get it as long as I was early enough and no one was chasing me. But I guess um, getting back to like how to gain reputation and all that stuff. uh, For me, it was I just naturally kind of got got pleasure from helping people. A, it's a little bit of showing off. So there's a little bit of ego there. But B, it's good to help people um, to solve problems that they don't have to lift people up. I remember what it was like when I was first starting to program and all the stupid problems I'd run into and I would kill for someone to give me a helping hand at critical moments. So not only do I like to just help random people, which please don't send me an email. I I won't respond. I'm not good at email. (laughs) But if you catch me in person, I pretty much 100% will help you out on any problem. Uh, That's just I don't know. It's a weird way to say build up your reputation by helping everyone. But I guess that was the logic I was following. It's a slow and steady game, to be honest with you. I didn't, you know, I like to say, you know, you don't get to a million followers overnight. It's a slow and steady and I don't have a million followers, but nor do I think, (laughs) nor do I think I'm all that famous, to be honest with you. I mean, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't really use Twitter all that much. I mostly use it for self-promotion, um, but I've <laughs> built up that repertoire and I interact with people um, often. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, even if you look at my my Twitch stream, you know, it'd be hard for me to keep keep it up if I didn't already have a following. But I guess what the difference was for me is to to kind of end my point is that if you start doing something, just keep, be consistent, like keep doing that thing. So I was blogging about Xamarin. I was passionate about Xamarin.net. I did that. I wasn't switching all over the place. I wanted to be known as the expert for that. Uh, I think you just kind of naturally start to build up some of that and you may catch the eye, uh, the eye of, of a, a few people, as long as you're putting it out there. So, and always feel free to reach out to people too. I mean, if you write a great blog post, do a thing, you shouldn't be fearful of, of reaching out. Like if you want to, 
email Guthrie, email Guthrie, email Satya, email me. Like, you know, I'm not on that level. Email Hanselman, right? I mean, (laughs) do it. Uh, Why not? I mean, people do it all the time. And the worst thing is like, maybe I don't get back to you right away. Maybe I do get back to you. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, actually, I was going to make two quick points there, and they kind of reinforced that. It was basically just don't be bashful. Mm. If you want to promote something, promote it. Don't don't worry about offending anyone. We all we all know what's going on. We want to distribute what things that we worked hard on. We want to distribute them. So that's exactly what Twitter's for. So don't be bashful there. Um, maybe don't at and hashtag everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but if, if it's kind of good, it'll get spread around. So don't don't do that kind of stuff. But then um, Scott Hanselman also had another good point is that if you find any um, recognition at all in your field, your next job is to bring up others. Mm. So find other people who aren't who don't have as loud a voice as you and help them out. Yeah, I like in that. that regard. So I try to do that, too. I like that. All right, here we go. We are going now into a lightning topic, which is rapid fire, so rapid fire. So I love this. We this is our first time we were in our Let's do it. We were in a discord <laughs> and people just had this or this. So I will say this or this and then Frank will go and then I will go. How does that sound, Frank? It's, it's wait, do I have to read any? No, I'm going to. I was just going to answer. No, okay, I'm going to read them and then you okay. go like your answer, then my answer. And then I'll read the next yeah. one. OK, the best one first. Got okay. it. OK, so tea or coffee? Coffee, coffee, mountain Ooh. biking or road biking? <sighs> mountain biking. Mm. See, I'm I'm a road bike. I don't like the mountain bikes. It's very yeah. scary. Yeah, me too. But they're fun. <laughs> it's a it's a fun scary. <laughs> okay. Next one. Single speed bicycle or fixed gear bicycle. And I'll I'll say third option or bicycle with gears. Yeah, lots of gears. I want all the gears. I, I'm weak and I'm pathetic. I need gears. Um, I will say fixed gear. I enjoy fixed gear instead of single speed because I like to always be pedaling and just one motion just goes. Nice. Um, plaid or no plaid? No plaid. Everyone else in Seattle wears plaid. Don't do what everyone else does. I think in 2018, I've stopped wearing most plaid. So I'm going to go with no plaid or minimal plaid. How's that? <laughs> I like it. Minimal plaid. So in Seattle, that just means three quarters of your body is plaid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Not for. laughs> all right. Vertical stripes or horizontal stripes? I'm a s- vertical. I'm- They're slimming because people said that somewhere, right? Yes, that is correct. Those yeah, are clothes, clothes, right? Yeah, we're talking clothes. clothes. What else would we be talking about? Where else are there stripes on race cars? On race cars, horizontal, <laughs> horizontal. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say no stripes because I don't own anything that has stripes. No stripes. Get rid <laughs> stripes of stripes. Are good. Get, no, get rid of stripes. Um, 2018. No stripes. Uh, don't need those stri- patterns. Bowling shirts. Pat- patterns. Bowling shirts. Bowling shirts. Good. Okay. Solid colors. That's good. Um, okay. All right. Uh, beer or mead beer mm. what are they meat is honey honey is that wine. what it is honey wine Ooh, honey wine honey wine no but beer uh i'm gonna go with mead because i enjoy mead quite a bit i do like beer but i think mead is a big wine person myself um but i think that that is a i'm gonna go with mead about it oh okay maybe i should open my horizons a little nah i'm right <laughs> beer uh 
a fez hat or a cowboy hat? Oh, that's an excellent question. We should devote an episode to this one. Oh, boy. Context. I'm going to go cowboy hat just because as an American, I think it's more fitting for an American to wear. Mm. But fezes are pretty awesome. So, mm. Uh, I'm going to go with a fez because I think that is more unique and I don't see them as often as a cowboy hat. So that's what I'm going to go go with. But no one else in the world. Oh, I guess Australians can wear cowboy hats. Mm. So you've just got to take advantage of what you're allowed to do. I think anyone can wear a cowboy hat if they want to. You're right. No? Don't, don't live by my rules. No. I have terrible rules. <laughs> All right. Here's the last one for us. Um, oh, come on. More. This is fun. No, there's literally... I'm on the last one. I'm now putting things together. <sighs> so riding a unicycle or popping sick wheelies on your bike? Hmm. I have been considering getting one of those electronic unicycles, but I have not. And yet I love popping sick wheelies on a bike. So I'm sticking with that one wheelies so for me it would be me trying to learn stuff and i'm gonna go with i would rather try to learn unicycle mm, mm -hmm. look at you mm -hmm. i'll learn it when it has a giant motor on it yeah there you go there you go um hot dog or hamburger hamburger but there are some good hot dogs out there but hamburger hamburger impossible but turkey burger i'm a turkey burger type of guy yeah, that's fine. I like a Boca burger. Mm, I like, I'm a weirdo. Like an impossible burger. Actually, I've never had one, but I want one so bad. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Uh, an, it's delicious. An impossible burger? Oh, you should go look this up. It's a phenomenal. It's like the best burger that's not a burger ever. You know, I'm kind of hungry right now. You're killing oh, me. Oh, I'm starving. I can't wait to eat. Um, <laughs> that's it. All right, Frank, we did it. That was fun. That was fun. That was fun. Rapid fire. That's our first time. Um. Yeah, we should do that every time. Yeah, I enjoyed the rapid fire. Thank you, chat room. Yes. Uh, all the Patreon people for helping us out. Yeah. Thanks to everyone that just tuned in and listened to this week's Emerge Conflict. Um, thank you, Frank, for putting up with me every single week. It's been fun. Uh, you can, of course, follow us everywhere on the internet. If you go to mergeconflict.fm, that's where you'll find the podcast. You'll find all the episodes, all the places to subscribe. We would love it if you leave a review. Apple Podcasts is great. Uh, you can use pod um, podcast applications that you have. If you can share it, that's even better to share it with people. Get it out there. It really helps us. We're also part of soundbite.fm. That's a little podcast network uh, that I run over here. And we have awesome podcasts you may love, such as the Nintendo Dispatch, the V-Spot, which is a vegan podcast, and Trinspo, which is a travel inspiration podcast. And I believe by the time this comes out, Frank will be on Trinspo. So if you want to hear some of his journeys across the globe, check out Trinspo.com or just go to soundbite.fm and check out all the pods. So until next week, this has been another Merch Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Ruger. Thanks for listening. Peace.